Spirit, we thank you that you're with us. We thank you that you never leave. You indwell us. We are your temples. Father God, we thank you that you have adopted us. We thank you that you predestined us to be adopted as your children. It pleased you. It made you happy to do that very thing, and then you did it. Jesus, we thank you so much for taking on our sin, taking on our shame, carrying our griefs and our burdens. Thank you so much, Jesus, for the cross, for the resurrection, for pouring out the Holy Spirit on us. God, we thank you for DTS. We thank you for this, this 12-week journey together. I ask that you would deepen us in our walk with you. I ask, God, that we would learn things that at this point we don't anticipate. Pray, God, that everything that we've, we've studied and looked at before now would not be left behind, would, uh, that we'd not switch from praying for the sick to journaling and stop praying for the sick, but Father, I ask that we would keep in step with you. And partner with you in whatever way you're moving in whatever moment. Amen. Now I'll go over the syllabus. So, my expectations for y'all is a kind of a big one. Conversational prayer journal, 5 to 15 minutes every day. 5 to 15 minutes a day. And if you uh, want to do it this way, you could simply write down something God said that day. And if you're like, I, I don't know how to hear very well, it would be fine for you to also write down something you prayed, something you asked Him. That's acceptable as well. But I have this theory, I don't know... I don't know how else to prove it except to get a group of people and go after it. I know we're hungry for the Lord. I know we want the electricity of the Holy Spirit. I know we want to see people who don't know Jesus encounter His love. I know we want to see those who've been in His, in His presence re-baptized again, including ourselves. I know we want all that, but I'm convinced the best thing we can do is to actually carve out disciplined time every day and be intimate with Him. And that if we don't do that, we really won't be able to carry any of those outpourings. It's possible to live a life where we go from conference to conference and stand next to other people's fire Oh, that guy's a great preacher. Oh, this is a great worship team. Oh, it's going to be a great conference. Oh, it's not, what's going to live for the next conference? Mm. And all the while, the Jesus who those conferences are about is neglected. And he died to put in us what he walked in daily. And we kind of all know this, the reason that people become conference speakers is because they developed this thing of giving Him space to do what Jesus purchased. They just took time to receive the gift every day and walk in it. It's all it is, remember, receive, receive.
respond. It's not rocket science. It's a child can do it. Is that a Samsung ringtone? I like that. A child can do it. Simple. Now there are deep things in God. You, God's as deep as you can get. There's nobody smart enough to. Do you know what I mean? A, a chimpanzee is as smart as what a two, two or three year old kid. So can you imagine the smartest human compared to like the dumbest angel? <laughs> if on a, if on a great day, we we come up with a theory of relatively and re- relativity and figure out figure out how to create a, a nuclear fission reactor, if that's us on our best day. And that's an angel on a bad day. What must Jesus' thoughts be like? So clearly he's a genius. The one who designed and holds everything together and understands comprehensively how every detail of this whole universe functions, completely understands it all. Right? So if you want to get deep with God, you can get as deep as you can. You'll never exhaust his thoughts. Mm-hmm. But if you want to have a relationship with him, it's not about the deep thoughts, is it? It's about the heart. Because what he's after is the heart. So many times, Jesus says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I'm more interested in heart issues of love than in purity code issues and ritual. So what I'm wanting is a group of people. Man, I'm super emotional about this. Mm -hmm. We will try this experiment together. Because I know we're not meant to do this just the me and Jesus things. It's meant to be a body. Can you imagine? A group of people who set apart special time. I don't care when. I don't care where. I don't think he does either. Where or when. I don't think he cares exactly what happens in that place. He's concerned about, are we making space in our heart for his heart? But a group of people who carve out some space where they run away from all the distractions and they just be with him. They just look at him. And that sensitizes our spirit because he lives in our spirit. We hear him by getting in touch and learning to recognize the voice of our spirit. We didn't even have a spirit before we were born again that was awake and alive. Our spirits were dead in sin, and they were hardened by sin's deceitfulness. But when he came in, something woke up. We have, we have a sense, just like you know, the five senses, we have a sixth sense called our spirit now. And by spending time, special time, maybe you want to call it, we used to call it devotions. I always thought that was weird. Some people called it Quiet time. I don't care what you call it. Brian Connolly calls it the secret place. In secret, Jesus says in Matthew 6, if you'll seek your Father in secret, where no one else is looking, He'll reward you openly. But if I, I'm convinced if we'll carve out secret time just to be with Him, that He'll sensitize our spirit to what His voice sounds like. And by voice, I don't necessarily mean you know, audible voice can be that. I don't even necessarily mean dr- thoughts he drops into your mind. It can be that. I think what I mean is just just our awareness of him. Mm-hmm. Who he is and what is true. It can be as simple as that. Who he is and what is true. 
can be his, quote, voice. But that special time sensitizes us so that the rest of the day we can learn to abide. We can learn to pray without ceasing. We can learn to live like Jesus lived every single moment of every single day. He was... He didn't, do, he didn't occasionally go back and be with God. He was with his Father all, at all times. So that when he spoke, he said, I don't, these aren't my own, my words aren't my own. And I 100% believe that's possible for you and me. I 100% believe that's, that's, that's supposed to be the normal Christian life. That he was the first Christian. And he said he couldn't do it either. I can't, he said, I can't do it. And you're going... What? If he can't do it, how are we supposed to do it? Same way he did it. He did it by the indwelling Father. We do it by the indwelling Christ. And it's, it's impossible. The harder we try thinking it is possible, the more it will backfire. Which is why I'm not promoting a method. I'm promoting a person. So, when I say 5 to 15 minutes a day, prayer journal, I'm not really promoting a technique. I used, to, I used to think, you know, don't just check the box. Now I'm going, well, yeah, check the box to say I was with him. But don't think that checking the box is going to earn you favor. Mm-hmm. It's never earning favor. It's showing up to receive something Christ in his cross and resurrection already earned, man. It's like, we all know to eat three times a day at least. <laughs> Nobody thinks that's earning anything, do they? Oh, well, when we eat three times a day, we're just trying to be legalistic and earn. That's, nobody's, nobody accuses anyone of that because they understand we're here to feast. We're here because it tastes good. We're here because it gives us energy. We're here because we actually take that food and by taking it in, it becomes us. You know that, right? The old adage, you are what you eat, it's true in the spirit. He says, eat my body. Drink my blood. Isn't it interesting? Peter says, you've been born again. This is a little graphic. You're going to have to just brace yourself. We've been born again by God's sperm. God's seed. The Jews would have said seed for both of those. That's the same word for them. And that seed, that sperm, is the, I feel uncomfortable saying it, is the word of God, which means... When we take in what he is saying, his nature is what is born in us. Oscar Tucker, to keep the awkwardness going, Oscar Tucker said, you get pregnant through your ear holes. And I said, Oscar, help. Use a different metaphor. And then I realized he was using Peter's. That's straight out of your Bible. But think about that. God's own words carry God's nature. And as we listen and hear and, and like really take it in, His nature forms in us. This Christian life is not a life of copying Jesus. You're good. I can, I can, I can get over it. Or should I just pause and you get a big old handful? It's not a life of copying Jesus. It's a life of Jesus indwelling us. He's not, he's not gone. He's in here. So if he's in here, where do I have to go to find him? Settle down and go inward. 
He has established a meeting place right here. And He's there. Am I? Not often, if I'm honest, I avoid my heart. It's too painful there. It's too scary there. It's too emotional there. He's there waiting. Mm -hmm. So five to 15 minutes a day. And I'm, you, you can go shorter and longer. I don't care. I'm just throwing numbers out to try to say, you know. Yeah, go ahead. Can this be done as a couple? Uh, I hadn't even thought of that. You be led by the Lord. How about that? Okay. If you feel like the Lord wants you to do it as a couple, we do well, it. No, we already meet. We already do a half an hour a day ourselves. With actual, like, no, writing down what he journaling. said? No, okay. would be something that we do So the, the journaling is not intended to become a machinery. It is intended to help us pay closer attention to what we're hearing. All right? You be led by the Lord on the, on the, on the mechanics. I'm, I'm not... I'm not a referee. I, I have this, again, I don't know how else to prove this theory without trying it. My dream, Adam Bauer asked if, if, if I wanted him to do leadership coaching. And I said, that doesn't even sound fun to me. And uh, in fact, that annoys me that you're even asking me that. And yet there's another part of me that says I should probably do that. Because I realize why it annoyed me because I don't have the goals that I think, as a leader, I should have. But then I realized, oh, wait a minute. He's going to be coaching me to my own goals, not his goals. And what's my goal? My goal is every single person at Gateway be intimate with God. Hear God's voice. Know who they are in Christ. Live in a state of grace. Be free. Go, go to the deep places with God. And be a gateway for others to encounter God. That's not, that's not what I'm supposed to say as an American pastor. I'm supposed to say I want souls saved and I want the full house and look at our live stream and look how many people we do this. And Do you know what I mean? Like, it's supposed to be about numbers and budgets and butts and buildings. Everything starts with a B. <laughs> and billboards and broadcasts. And I'm like, ah, I just want everyone to be like so satisfied in Christ that they can't stand it anymore and they just got to tell someone how good he is. <laughs> like, when we encounter a sick person, we don't have to go, we don't have to think, should I pray about it? Should I pray for him? We, like, accidentally start and then go, oh, I forgot to ask, should I, can I pray for you? Because <laughs> it just starts coming out of us. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. When we encounter someone who's carrying guilt, we go, mm-mm, not on my watch. And we don't even let them leave our presence before saying, would you like to be free? Because they might not like to be free. And if they don't want to be free, they can go home with critters. Yeah. But sh we're sure going to offer. I don't hear from God. That's okay. So I just pray? Yep. Okay. That's why I said what I said. If, if, you don't, if, you, if you aren't sensing or recognizing what He's saying to you yet, then just write down what you asked him. And I actually might have some special assignments for you like this. If God were to say something, what might it be? 
and don't judge what you're right after that. You know what I mean? So in other words, for you, the assignment wouldn't be, what is God saying? It would be, what do I, based on who I know Jesus to be, what do I think he might say? That's really practical. Well, that's what I do. I've done that for years. That's how I started. I didn't think it was allowed to ask what you are saying, God, because I thought, once he wrote the Bible, he, you know, who knows? It's like, right. So what I did was I journaled what... I, I did it as a creative writing assignment. I wasn't trying to hear God's voice. I was just saying, you know, I wonder, if God were to talk back to me, he might say something like this. That's how I started. And I think that's valid, and it takes a lot of pressure off. Because I'm not, you know what I mean? I'm not responsible to like, I'm not misrepresenting God then. I'm just doing a creative writing assignment. It's hard to, I've always found it hard to explain to people how I can hear, I never thought about saying what you just said about the... That's how I started. Yeah. Because I didn't have books or teachers telling me I could hear God. Right. I just started. And I, I remember this conversation. I said, God, is it okay with you? I said, I wish you were here. This is so funny. Because I'm so brand new in the faith, I didn't know this stuff. I wish you were here, Jesus. <laughs> he is, but I just didn't. I didn't know. I wish you were here and I could just talk with you. Would it be okay if, if, if I talk to you, but then I also write what I think the kind of things are you might say if you were here? And instantly this voice in my thoughts, not, not like a sound, but a thought came to me. And the thought said, yeah, as long as it lines up with the Bible. <laughs> so I said, okay. And I did that ever since. For 10 years I did that. I didn't really tell people I was doing that. And for 10 years I was asking God to give me the gift of prophecy. I had no idea that that thing I was doing in secret was actually prophecy. I didn't know. I had no idea. So for 10 years I thought I wasn't hearing a thing. Do you know? I mean, not really. I'm just I'm exaggerating slightly. But for 10 years if you'd have said, do you have the gift of prophecy? I would have been like, I doubt it. Because isn't that like a, oh, and then like a light shines? You know, when I was a little kid and I would go to church, I used to see light on the preachers when they were preaching. Yep. I never told anybody that until right now. My whole life. Kids see stuff. They sent stuff. I never told anybody that. It never occurred to me that nobody else might be seeing what I was seeing. I remember seeing Sheldon Swartz standing up there talking about grace. But I used to see a light around people. We're just more spiritual and more in touch than we think we are. Mm -hmm. So the issue is not, you're not hearing. The issue is, you're not aware of how you're hearing. That's my theory anyway. And I'm, and I'm, I'm very similar. Do you know how long sometimes it... I had a dream, and it took me a month and a half to figure out that God was telling me to go do, do the thing that, that, that I saw clearly happening in the dream. And here I was trying to interpret it as a metaphor... <laughs> I shared this dream, and my, my friend says, Wow, when are you going to do it? And I said, Do what? Drive from Delaware to Kentucky and have your former pastor lay his hands on you and pray for you. Wh what? I thought it, I thought it was just a, a symbol. And then I felt real silly. And then I did it in real life. And it was amazing. When he laid his hands on me, he goes, where were you in the dream? 
puts his hands. Where are my hands in the dream? Where were you positioned? I was on my knees. Okay, like this? Like this. Is there anything, any detail out of place for your dream, Tim? No, we're exactly where we were. What did I say? I said, I don't know, but it was beautiful. All right, I'll just pray. And then he started praying, and it felt like he was writing a poem. And I distinctly remember him saying several times, Oh, Jesus, what would we do without you, Jesus? You are so amazing. And I can't remember what all he said, but while he was praying, I was like, Oh, this is too beautiful. This is too good. Why am I not recording this beautiful prayer? You know, ever have one of those moments? Mm-hmm. Okay, 5 to 15 minutes a day. I didn't mean to say any of that. I just meant to say 5 to 15 minutes a day. (laughs) Obviously, weekly homework. You can either read or listen to Can You Hear Me? This book by Brad. Which is essentially (coughs) just a bunch of listening prayer tools. Um, Really, like, like, I think before he wrote this book, he had... I think before he wrote this book, him and him and his little cohorts at the church that he was pastor at the time, like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of sessions with with stuff they just learned by trying. You know, you're sitting down with someone and they're in bondage and you don't know how to get them free, but you're 100% sure that it should work, the gospel should get them free. So then they tried this crazy idea of bringing, let's ask Jesus. That they're off to the races. And that's kind of how this content was formed. By just, they tried. And they, they messed stuff up. And then they learned easier ways. One of the things in here that I loved was, he used to interrogate demons when demons would happen. When, when they would encounter the demons. And a friend came to him and said, Brad, I don't like that we talk to demons and ask them for information. And they lie to us. And they resist our will. And it takes up all this time and energy. Why do we got to interrogate demons? And Brad's like, well, that's we've always interrogated them. What are their names? What are their assignments? What legal rights do they have to be there? Mm-hmm. And the guy said, I don't like it. Something feels wrong about it. Can you ask Jesus what to do about that? So Brad went back and said, Jesus, I've been interrogating these demons to figure out why they're here. Is that not the way to do it? And Jesus said, well, you can do it that way, but they're liars. What are you saying? You're saying I can ask you directly? Yeah. Huh. But Jesus, what if, what if it doesn't work to ask you directly? And Jesus says, let me get this straight, Brad. If the Lord of the universe is unwilling to give you information, tell me what's wrong with this sentence. If the Lord of the universe is unwilling to give you the information, you should consult the demons instead. Brad. Ooh. Good point. After that, he said, I never interview demons anymore. I told them to shut up and go to the cross and wait. And I asked Jesus, what's its name? What's its assignment? What's its legal right to be here? What do we, what do we need to repent of or heal so it can't stay? And Jesus has been quite willing to share whatever we needed ever since then. See, they struggled. They learned. They did things one way. And then they, whoa, this isn't quite helpful. Anyway, I... I find this book really helpful. So yeah, uh, I'll be having, of course, questions, as you know, on the DTS Facebook group. John, i got to add you to that. Are you in that yet? I don't have 
Facebook. You don't have. I don't have an Instagram group. I'm sorry. I don't. I don't you have to invite Pete too because he's I, gonna do it. I don't speak millennial. Hopefully. But anything yeah. I get, I'll share with her. Remind me, you guys. So that okay. Um. So, that's not hard, right? You can spend five minutes with God and listen. And even if it's a sentence, even if it's a word, even if it's just a creative writing assignment. Do you know what I mean? Uh, no, Garth said, don't say, do you know what I mean? He literally had a running tally at council meeting of how many times I said, do you know what I mean? And I saw like all these... Dun, 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 dun. And I look over and I go, Garth, what are you doing? He goes, oh, me, nothing. Every time you say, do you know what I mean? I make a check mark. And I was like, that's like 27. So next time I said, do you know what I'm talking about? And I looked over and he made a check mark. And I said, Garth, I didn't say, do you know what I mean? And he goes, close enough. And now I notice myself saying it. Obviously, 5 to 15 minutes, the book, but here's the part where we start to get a little bit more, whoo, Jesus, give us grace, once a week, listening prayer for someone else. You mean somebody you know. I'm assuming it would be someone that you know, because the goal is to... Either text it to them, or better yet, read it to them, and then pray over them. Say that again. So, the listening prayer for yourself, every day, but one, one person a week, listening prayer for them. God, how do you see them? God, do you have any, any scriptures of comfort or encouragement I can give them? Why did you give me that scripture for them? What are you saying to them right now? How do you feel about what they're going through right now, God? Those kinds of things. Uh, here, just people here in DTS or anybody? Oh, I wasn't thinking of limiting it that. Okay. And okay. Here's a couple of recent ones like that for me. I have a friend and... Okay, I, I can tell you this, I think. Let me see. Yeah, I was praying for some close friends at church. And, man, they're just going through a lot of stuff at the same time. Struggles with kids, struggles with finances, lots of stressors and challenges. And we're praying, and I was like, Lord, I would just love if you would bring a scripture to my mind for them. And I was assuming he was going to speak a scripture. But instead, he gave me a reference. Man, that's terrifying. He says, 2 Corinthians 5.7. I heard it. It's clear as a bell. As soon as I asked the question. 2 Corinthians 5.7. And I said, I have no idea what that says. So I go over and I open my Bible, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith, not by sight. And I go, <gasps> that couldn't fit. Like, I freaked out. I tell you, I freaked, that was more, that, I freaked out more about that than they did. She was like, oh, okay, great, thanks. And I thought, no, you don't understand the God <laughs> of the universe actually talked to me in an undeniable way, like, that's crazy. You know what I mean? Like, there are... <laughs> You know my faith is small. When it works, I freak out. <laughs> right? right? Mustard seed got there. <laughs> I tell you what. Right? If, if I had really super strong faith, I'd be like, of course it works. But when it works like that, I go, oh, and I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. So then I'm praying for another friend of mine. And I was so encouraged with that. I said, Lord, I'd love if you gave me a scripture for them too. 1 Corinthians 7. No, 1 Corinthians, yeah, Corinthians 7. And I thought, awesome. But why didn't he give me a verse? Why did he give me a whole chapter? That's kind of weird. 
And then I looked at it. And then I started to get stressed. Because the whole chapter is like, if you're single, you're going to struggle with lust and loneliness. So you should get married so you don't stay horny all the time. But if you can avoid getting married, you totally should. Because that takes up all kinds of time and energy that you could be using to serve Jesus. Anyway, your choice. Do whatever you want. And the person that I was praying for was a young woman who's single. And I started to stress. So I'm like, oh no. Do you know what I mean? That feels fragile. There's certain situations where I, I'm like, it's real fragile. So I said, Lord, I'll, I'll sit on this for a night. I knew it was him. Partly because I didn't want to do it, is how I knew. <laughs> oh, God, you serious right now? And it's like, and then, then he says this. If <laughs> okay, I don't remember the phrase, but the feeling was this. What's the point of asking me for a word if you're not going to deliver it? Mm. And I'm like, good point. It reminded me of when John Wimber said, the Lord told him, uh, either preach my word or get out. <laughs> and he's like, what do you mean out? Like out of the room, hopefully? Hopefully you don't mean out of the kingdom. <laughs> but I delivered that word. And it turned out to not be nearly as stressful as I thought it was going to be. That basically they were like, oh yeah, actually I was just at my counselor the other day and the counselor was telling me it's time for you to look for a spouse. You're healthy enough to be looking for a spouse now. And I was like, oh, what was I all stressed about? Because <laughs> I care about this person's heart and I didn't want to be like, hey, quit blaming God. It's your own stinking choice. Because that was what was in my spirit was, it's your choice to either, I don't know. Okay, that's enough of that. Get moving. Daily homework, conversational prayer journal, journal, five to fifteen minutes a day. Brad's book, and then this one is the is the little bit more pressure putting on us, which is listening prayer for someone else once a week. Obviously, Thursday class attendance and participation with an open heart to God. Help with the who's that? Is that me? Who's doing it? Oh, it's a, it's a very encouraging song. Help with offerings for guest speakers. Um, I said in here we may attend an away conference together. What I would really like is if we would like be the ministry team at another church somewhere or some group or some place anywhere actually to be honest. That would be even more fun. And then I I, I would I would like us to at least share one meal together uh, this semester. When we finished with pizza the, the last time, that was just like there was something that clicked in my spirit that said, "Hey, this feels like church. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, and then the very last uh, thing on the schedule will be one Sunday morning at Gateway, this group will become uh, not just the ministry team after the service, but this group will become um, the people who do the message and the ministry time based around listening prayer. In other words, we'll just do listening prayer and each of us will share with the congregation the things the Lord puts on our heart. And uh, Or if that's too stressful, that whoever finds that too stressful, it will not be required. You will not be required. Um, 
but I think by then most of you will say, give me that stinking microphone. <laughs> All right, and the basic weekly agenda. Begin with testimonies. Obviously, some sort of appetite wedding quote from uh, Brad's book. Any announcements? And then we will engage in a time of listening prayer during each of these sessions as well with some kind of music in the background. And then after that, our weekly speakers. And the goal is always to end with impartation, as you know by now. And you probably know as well. All the audio is uploaded to the Gateway DTS Anchor Podcast. Yeah, still waiting on Lori Cardinale to confirm the exact date. She will be coming. The issue is the date. Lori? Yep. Yeah. Um, And then we will not be meeting March 12th, just to be clear. So we do have class next Thursday with Tom Borowski on the topic of the romance of the Lord. Tom's a weird dude because he uh, he's got that sort of uh, engineer mindset. You know what I mean? Like very rational, very organized, very orderly. But when you when you dig into the when you open the hood and you figure out what makes him tick. I just realized a few years ago, I was like, man, this guy, like, he's got a romance with the Lord. You know? When he teaches, he's using the teacher gift. So you kind of go, oh, you know. You, you, you go, oh, Kim, Kim's the one with all the emotion or whatever. Not at all. Under the hood, he burns for this thing and feels God's touch and love. So he's going to be talking about that. Anyway, that's uh, pretty much... I'll read this, too, about Brad. Brad's chapters are long. I got mad at Brad when I was recording the audiobook. I'm not going to lie. I got real angry at Brad. I often, I often said, Brad, what are you doing? It's taking me more than an hour to read this, and my voice hurts, and kind of want to slap you. You could have divided these up into shorter. Anyway, but when you're listening, you don't feel that way because you just stop when you're done listening, and when you hit play, it takes up. But I'm not going to lie. Brad's chapters are long. However, they are cram-packed full of rich and important truths. And I, th- I think we kind of get this now that our, the Lord has us in a season of learning to be formed by the truth rather than being entertained by the truth. And that mindset is different. Listening to be entertained or listening to see do I agree or not agree is different than listening to be formed, listening to, to burn for relationship. This is more like exercise, in other words. Right? You can sit and watch TV, <laughs> but an exercise video, if you, what kind of weirdo? So here's, here's the picture I just had in my mind. <laughs> we're in an exercise class, but we're all sitting down taking notes, and that's the church for 2,000 years. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> and we're going... That was a great, that was a great lecture. <laughs> the dude's covered in sweat. We aren't. What? <laughs> what are we doing? Oh, man. It's about habit formation, and we're focused, we want to be focused on long-term fruit rather than short-term feelings or convenience. And this focus is not a consumer orientation. 
which is what we're used to as Americans. The customer's always right, and uh, it is about us and how we feel and what we think. But in the kingdom, it's the exact opposite. Sure. Our will, Jesus will tell us what we don't want to hear, lead us to places we don't want to go, and ask us to do things that are humiliating. Mm-hmm. On purpose, so that our joy will be full. Not our, not our short-term pleasure, our joy, our long-term joy. Deep, deep, deep satisfaction in Him. There's some things that if... if <laughs> so with listening prayer, it's really helpful because God doesn't often want to talk to us about what we want to talk to Him about. God, nobody treats me good. And He's like, well, you're self-centered, and that's why you feel that way. <laughs> Can you make them stop mistreating me? I'm more interested in you learning how to love them. I can't ever get a break. You only feel that way because of your massive, self-centered, unbelieving heart. Another man in your exact life would be the happiest man who ever lived, and he'd kiss that wife right on the mouth every time he came home and think he won the greatest prize in the world, you ungrateful turd. You're right, you know what I'm saying? Anybody else listen to this kind of Jesus? Yeah? Okay. It got a little harsh there at the end. Just a wee bit. That still felt good. So I think in American culture, we're very used to passively watching someone else do exciting things. And the whole point of DTS is to say, it's our turn to do the exciting things. You know, how about we hear? How about we obey? I think it's time to uh, do testimonies. Come to intimacy. I mean, one of the things that God asked me to do, I didn't ask Him if I could. He just said, I want you to have your coffee and snack with me instead of watching television. So that's what. What, When is that? Four o'clock in the morning. Uh, I'm waiting for that. <laughs> I'm saying that isn't, doesn't have to be your time. <laughs> Praise God. I mean, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus got up way before daybreak, is what it says. But anyhow, that's. But I'm not doing it because of that reason. I really am not. That's just me. Uh, he didn't have a watch, though. But most of the time, I ask, I ask him, Father and Jesus and Holy Spirit, will you come mm-hmm. and minister to me? I want you here. And sometimes I, uh, I have a vision of them sitting there at the table with me. And I listen. I do more listening than I do speaking, but there's times when I do speak, you know, mm-hmm. interceding for other people. Uh, but it's, a, it's an awesome time. It really is. And he's, mm, he's easy going to me anyhow. He, I, I, he knows my heart. He knows what I'm thinking. Uh, the other day, I was kind of feeling like, Dad, I don't know if I'm really producing fruit out there. Hmm. Anyhow, I uh, sometimes where, the way my living room is set up in my kitchen and dining room, I can walk in circles going in each room. And that's what I kind of do when I'm praying sometimes and talking. And He shows up beside me. Mm-hmm. It's kind of funny. Because I kind of pushed him <laughs> over to the 
to the wall and he turns around and comes on the other side of me. It was kind of crazy. And then I, I, I stopped and he just shared with me. He said, he said, Carl, you are bearing fruit out there. There are things happening out there. You may not see it. You may not always know it. But there are things happening out there because of you. I just want you to know that. I was like, yes. That's all I need to hear to give yeah. me encouragement. Keep right on going, man. Keep right on going, man. Don't stop. That's, that's part of intimacy. That's, that's that mm-hmm. relationship that I have with him. It's beautiful. I love it. <coughs> I love it. Teach me your ways, I ask him. Even when I'm out there walking around that sidewalk, teach me your ways. And he's, he's doing it. He's doing it. And it's beautiful. I, I love it. And I'm glad I'm here. I really am. I, when Tim asked me to share March 26th, Man, how do you remember stuff like that? Huh? How do you remember stuff like that? remember your date. Yeah, I do. Yeah, he's right. Feeling God's heart in the secret place. Yeah. Um, The next morning, uh, I didn't even worry about it after you asked me. I just said, sure. I mean, I didn't even think about it because I'm at the place where I want to learn, I want to do, I want to be able to share. And the very next morning, he he showed me exactly what he wants me to share. So, so I can be able to study, be able to listen more, and 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 be able to present. Yeah. God's been kind of like walking me through like learning to pray for others in a new way. Because I don't know, sometimes when people like you know you go up to someone or you ask them their pain or what they need prayer for, like. You know, sometimes I'm like, okay, so I know I'm supposed to pray for this. You know, and you kind of already know certain things you would just say. And, um, like, lately those words seemed to me, like, almost like vinegar in a way. Like, or unfruitful. When I was speaking, and I was like, and he's like, you know, just listen before you pray. Mm-hmm. So I've been trying to stop you know, and just listen a little bit longer and not just like go right into praying and um, finding what I'm hearing from him and, and saying what I hear or see from him, it just seems more um, fruitful and stuff. So. Man, that's the, thing, that's the same thing he's been teaching me. Really? Oh, it's, it's been weird. Because I'm not going to say the person, but I prayed for someone recently, and when they, when they told me, when they came up to, for me to pray for them, and when they told me, I was like, like, um, this is not what I expected. Like, I, it was weird because it kind of went along with some of my testimony that I've been working on, and I was like, okay. So I just started saying things I thought I should say, and I'm like, but while I was doing right. it, I was like, this does not feel right. This mm-hmm. feels weird. It feels almost fake, if that was the right word. And then I was like, and then like I started getting that, like, you know, heart. I don't know, it's like a heart, like, you know, that, that feeling, you know, you get, like, when you're worshiping really good. So <laughs> I, like, caught myself a little bit, and then I was getting a vision. And, and so I started just speaking my vision, and then I was able to you know, hear better that way, but 
that wasn't that it, it was different and um, but he's been definitely walking me through because it's like I guess it even for me when I pray for myself you know I sat at myself already and just listen but like when I was praying for other people I wasn't mm. getting quiet I was just kind of saying things that I thought I should say and then but now I'm, he's like walking me through like not saying as much and just listening more it's been different Definitely like the opposite of what you're taught as a kid. Mm. What are you taught as a kid? I don't know. It's like I feel like when I was taught as a kid, I was always taught different things to say. You know, like not even they're not even like exactly from the Bible, but they'd be like just you know prayer models in a way. Was a kid, you know, and mm. taught to pray prayer models, you know, and. I, now I lay me down too. Yeah, that's just an example, and and not that there's anything wrong with that, but I feel like it was. I don't know. It just it tasted like literally like vinegar in my mouth when I was saying when I was using a prayer model, and not like I was being, not like I was being punished or something for what I was saying. Yeah. It was just like this doesn't taste right. It doesn't you felt feel in, right. You, you felt out of touch with your spirit. Yeah. Because then, like, it, in my mind, I'm, I'm making it up instead of listening to what he would want me to say and pray. Mm. So that's what he's been walking me through. My smile just means that's, that's fascinating to me. Uh, when I took Brian Hibbs out to Shiloh, he had a long prayer line and I had a long prayer line and we were working our way through our prayer lines. And... He's like, I feel like the Lord's making making my words more efficient and razor sharp. Just down. I'm, he's like, I think I'm down to like one sentence. And I'm chuckling because I'm going, I'm like, let me get my paws on him and just, just gas pedal. And just talk. Just throw words out. And not even know what I'm going to say next. And it turns out to be right. And his approach was the exact opposite. And I feel like both of our approaches were what the Lord had in mind for... <laughs> For us. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I thought, well, that's intriguing. He's like, one bullet, one rabbit. And I'm like, one clip, pieces of rabbit. <laughs> Tim's like, no, there's no food then. Rabbit's good. I got, yeah. I got two testimonies. Kind of, kind, of, um, kind of the same thing. Like, like I notice, like, myself, like, praying for people and just all of a sudden just start like just going at it and 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 like I got done praying for somebody a couple weeks ago and the Lord's like he's like you need to slow down and I was like okay and he's like he's like before you even start to pray for somebody he's like you just need to take a few minutes and tell, tell them say look I'm going to pray for you mm-hmm. But I'm gonna. It's gonna take me a minute or two, and because I'm gonna listen to what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Yeah. Slow down. And then, and then, and then pray. And ever since that, I've been doing that, and I feel like it's been way more effective. Way, mm-hmm. way, way, way more effective. Mm-hmm. And um, so, but Sunday morning, when it's funny, because, because, like. Like you know, there's times when the Lord is, you know, he, you know, he has landed and he's there, you know, and um, 
like Sunday morning was just like I, I got a lot out of the message, but it was just different. Like it wasn't like that landing spot, like where he had landed on me. And and then when Linda said come up front and pray for people, I was just being obedient, you know, because she she asked mm -hmm. she asked to. I said okay. So so like when you came up and pray for pray for your ankle and stuff, I just prayed and prayed with the Lord. Felt like 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 the Lord had had me pray, and then. When Tom came up, it was very interesting because as, as I started to pray, it turned on. It turned on. That's I know. I felt the same thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and what was interesting when we got done, I was still like, I would tell you the truth. I was basically in a place where I couldn't really move. Like like I was just like kind of undone to tell you the truth. Like, like the spirit was just like so heavy, like it was really thick, and um, you know, and it just was interesting how, just out of out of obedience, you know, how God will show up, you know, and and that's what it was. It was just just obedience, like you know, and it was just like something more like worship the Lord. No, like the Lord was good, but it was just like. And until that time, it was just like, and then he just landed. It was just, it was interesting. Like, uh, like, like it was different for me Sunday morning. But yeah, I'm just thankful the way he's been multiple, 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 multiple ways, you know. And it's just been like, like I've been telling a couple of people this, like, that, like. I've been following the Lord for a long time, but this season that I'm in right now, I feel like I've had the most fun, mm -hmm. and it has been the most fruitful time that I think I've ever had. That's wonderful. I uh, go to the prayer meeting almost every time out of a sense of responsibility as the shepherd of the flock. And I was having, I was real angry today about something and someone. I was real, real angry. So I was talking to Jesus about it. And what he shared with me was that our commitments and our duties to each other are extremely important. I go to prayer meeting not because I feel like it, but because I go, I encounter God. And deeply, I encounter the Holy Spirit deeply there. And I, 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 I've said this many times, I, I go because I'm supposed to, and I leave happy and full of peace because I encountered God. And it meets, an, it meets a deep need in me. It keeps me from drifting. The Lord started saying to me, like, people need those commitments. Humans drift. Humans are tempted. Humans get de deceived by sin. And our, and your, your, our hearts are, get hardened. And we need certain commitments in place where we do what's right and do what we said. That's what, that's what marriage vows are. Mm -hmm. And where it's like, dude, you know, 
if I have to care for you and, and you don't have the mind you once had and you don't have the body you once had when I fell in love with you and, and the whole dynamic of the relationship is totally different, that's what I'll do. That, that's what the marriage vow means. You know, and for thousands of, uh, well, hundreds of generations, we've had, we've had, humans have figured out that there are some fundamental commitments that need to be in place for humans to thrive. And I was just still kind of wrestling with, with, you know, there's a generation that has walked away from church. Kids that grew up in our church, they're not in any church, and their walk with Jesus is, as far as I can tell, not either non-existent, or it's just not bearing enough fruit for me to tell. Man, some of that stuff happened on my watch, and I'm, I'm bothered. And talking to God about it, trying to, trying to figure this out. I'm not saying it's all my fault. That's not my point. No. My point is, I care. Right. And it happened on my watch, and I'm a shepherd. But that's, and, you know, one of the things he said to me with the situation I was talking to him about was, if you wouldn't have these commitments in place, these responsibilities in place, there are times when you're hurt and times when your discouragement and times when your disappointment would have pulled you out of church. And I said, but that wouldn't have made it right. And he's like, that's precisely my point. Sometimes you guys complain and you think, you think that your relationship with Jesus would be so amazing if you just didn't have to put up with each other. And you're dead wrong. The opposite is the truth. It is me in each other. It is my presence that comes uniquely when you guys gather as church that has sustained you. You got your, your, my, your brain's dead backwards. I could have this victorious faith if it weren't for the church. You're dead backwards. So the question is like what, like, what matters to God? He wants our heart. That's what He wants. But for Him to get our heart, we're going to have to have certain disciplines in our lives. Personal, private disciplines and corporate disciplines. And if those aren't there, it's like not having a water glass to take the water and drink it. If those aren't there, it's like not having a home to sleep in at night. The discipline is not the Lord. The discipline is just us creating a space to receive from the Lord. One time I was asking the Lord about this whole question. I'm sure I've said this quote before, but it's like, I know that my obedience when I don't feel like it really pleases the Lord. But I also know He's after my heart. He wants my passion. And half-hearted love is not what He's interested in. He's interested in full-hearted, passionate love. That'd be like when you kiss your wife and you can tell she doesn't mean it. Get out of here with that. Well, do I have to kiss you? Yeah, and you have to mean it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Come on now. Sometimes I feel like I'm the sappy romantic in the relationship. She says, I love you, and I'm like, I love you more. And she's like, no, you don't. And I'm like, yes, I actually do. And then we get into an argument over it. <laughs> so God's after our passion. So one day I was confused, and I was like, Lord, are you interested in my discipline? Me showing up whether I feel like it or not? Because we say that kind of stuff, right? We don't live by our feelings. We live by our, by our faith. And if feelings come along, that's great. But then this other thing about passion mattering. 
So which is it, God? Which do you prefer, my passion or my discipline? And he says, Tim, I prefer your passion every time. But to sustain your passion over time requires discipline. Mm. Oh, that's how these two fit together. See, it's for freedom Christ set us free, right? And when you start talking about rituals, Protestants get allergic reactions because they go, well, that's not free. When you start talking about reading your Bible and praying every day, they go, well, that's legalism. Well, it's legalism if you think it is you earning something with God. But if it's you pursuing intimacy with Christ, it's just a means of grace. And you're going to go so freaking far, man. Mm-hmm. And if you say, dude, get your freaking butt into a church on Sunday, every Sunday. Commit to a local church and show up. Be there. Be a part of that family and commit. You say that, they go, oh, that's legalism. Dude, is it, le- it could be legalism. If you think that's your relationship with God, doing that kind of stuff. But if you show up with the right heart, it's not legalism. It's the, it's the purpose. What, what is the message of the Bible? God's trying to form a people. Not an individuals. A people. Among whom he can abide. The Bible is the story of the people of God, not the person of God, the persons. Right? There's, and there's a commanded blessing when brethren dwell in unity that's not there when they don't. We're in, a weird, we're in a weird generation where if you stress the disciplines, it sounds like religion to us. And there's another dirty word. You know what the Latin religion means? Like the, the Latin root of the word religion means? It means to bind. And we go, well, yeah, exactly. It's like tying your hands behind your back and, and being bound up in, in a straitjacket so you can't move or breathe. You know, you know why that word started, was, was first used? It was because people were binding themselves to Jesus. Did you know nuns, they wear the, the garment they wear because they consider it their wedding gown. They are married to Jesus. Do you know this? Like, I just think it's so crazy. Like, the people who are the closest to Jesus in previous generations, we look at as idiots because we're free. Are we free? I feel like we're not nearly as close to the Lord as they were, and we're allergic to the very things that were the platform for intimacy to happen. Mm, that's good. What, what are we free from? We're supposed to be free from sin so that we can belong to Jesus and serve each other in love. I think sometimes we're just using our freedom as a cover-up to do what we feel like doing and giving ourselves permission to be lazy and of the flesh. And my laziness is the enemy of my intimacy with God. A big, big one, of, one of the big enemies, not, not the only one. I'm, I'm kind of lazy sometimes, y'all. I find it easier to do things from God at a distance than to get heart to heart with Jesus. I'm serious. I find it easier to read my Bible. I find it, it's really easy for me to sit down and read my Bible. You know what's hard for me? To sit still and, give, and, and let him in. I wish it wasn't that way. But there's this thing I have to fight through to hold still. Reading this thing, reading it out loud, I love it. Spirit comes, I have a great time. See, mine's the opposite. Here's just the opposite. Opposite. Have to fight to read that word half the time. Interesting. But we'll get. But both of us have to fight it, don't we? We have to overcome the resistance. 
That is so fascinating. Just like you're saying laser focus and I'm saying shotgun and... Oh, that's intriguing. So legalism. Well, actually, I have a bunch of questions like what is freedom? Don't answer that. Just think about it. What is freedom? What has Christ made us free from? What has Christ made us free for? How about this one? What is legalism? What is the yeast of the Pharisees? That Jesus told his disciples, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees. If he's telling them to beware, that must mean it's really dangerous for us. That we can be those people who are so fixated on the external and the rule that we become the very people who hate what he's doing among us. The leaders of the last revival or the persecutors of the leaders of the next revival. Help me, Jesus. I want to be so hungry for you that when you're doing something I didn't make and I didn't invent and doesn't have my fingerprints on it, I don't miss it. When you're doing something among someone who I don't like, the, I don't like them. I go because he's moving. It's him. Because that's the Pharisees, right? They don't like those people. He's eating with those people, those people we don't like. And I have a theory. It's just a theory. It's not, it's not a fact. I have a theory that because all they had to give people was rules, they had no power over sin. The Pharisees had no power over sin. Not even their own sin. All they had was rules. So who stresses you out? Sinners. Why? Because you can't help them at all, and you have nothing to give them but rules, which don't work. In fact, being around them makes you aware of just how freaking powerless your life is. And if you're honest, you're not really any better off or happier. You're just church. You're just a church unhappy. And there's Jesus... And he's drawn to those people because he has power. His stuff works. He actually gets people out of, out of sin. He gets them out of greed. He gets them out of being a backstabbing betrayer of your countrymen, taking advantage of them financially by being in league with the Romans. Matthew, the tax collector. Matthew pays back everyone and, and suddenly throws a big party and there's prostitutes and we would, nowadays it would be heroin addicts and prostitutes and drug dealers and people who live in tents in the woods where I run. And they'd be hanging out with Jesus. And they'd be encountering love. And they'd be hearing about how valuable they are. And they'd be getting an opportunity. They'd be getting something so amazing. It's called repentance. Repentance is one of the deepest words in your Bible. If repentance is possible, freedom is possible. Mm -hmm. See, we've, we've thought of repentance as like cowering and lamenting and like some sort of thing we do. God, I'm sorry. God, I'm yeah, sorry. God, I'm sorry. But if, if, if we're able to repent, you know what that means is we're able to get free. That's what that means. We're able to get free. It's like the biggest thing ever. If there's the possibility of repentance, there's hope. Repentance is so hopeful. And these folk are going, you mean I can get out of this? It's the best news I've ever heard. I can get out of this. And Jesus gives them that. And Pharisees don't. And Jesus doesn't just give them that and good luck. He calls them out of that into a very disciplined life of seeking the Father, praying, fasting, and living very close to a particular community that is doing the same thing. 
A lot of times we, 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 we preach a great sermon, but we don't call people into something. We declare that there's freedom in Jesus from this thing, but we don't paint the picture for what does it look like on this side of the freedom, and myself included. And, and sometimes I'm going, if, I'm, if I make it really practical and I go, it means you spend time alone with him, and you lay your heart before him and you talk to him a lot every day. And you open his book and you read it in a disciplined way, whether you feel like it or not. But the goal is to give him your heart and respond to his presence. If I say, you sit with him and you just look at him for five minutes and you just look at his beauty. You just imagine that you just imagine the smile of Jesus. You just imagine the loving face of the Father for five minutes. And you just take him in. And then you open your Bible and you read it out loud. And you talk to him out loud about what you're reading. It's not hard. You don't need to go to seminary like I did to do this. In fact, you can go to seminary and not give him your heart. You can. Trust me, I was at seminary falling away. Because I thought that since I was studying Bible all day long, that was enough Bible for me. So I was neglecting the heart. I was neglecting the whole point of God giving us... Do you know the early church? They didn't write. They hadn't written the Bible yet. I couldn't say to I couldn't have said to the first Christians to read your Bible every day. A, they can't read. What three percent of people in the ancient world read? And B, they hadn't written it yet. What's a Bible? Says the apostle Peter. Well, they had an Old Testament, but he personally didn't have a copy of it. It was sitting over there in the special room. Right. And I doubt he could even read. Don't hear me negative, being negative about the Bible. I'm saying, right, right. what were they told then? Right? They were called into a life of being learners from Jesus. I just, I'm just like, I'm just fascinated. Can you imagine, like, can you imagine Acts, Acts chapter 2, Peter gets up, says, Y'all, we ain't drunk. This is the Holy Ghost. This is the fulfillment of the Old Testament promises. The Messiah came, y'all. This is Jesus whom you murdered. And they go, oh no, we gonna die. Right? It says they were cut to the heart. And they said, what are we gonna do? Right? I don't think it was like, oh my goodness. What can I do to help? I bet you it was more like, ah, what are we gonna do? We murdered Jesus. And he says, wish you didn't, get in the water, (laughs) get baptized in the Spirit just like you see we are, and let's get going. And then right after that we read this, they met every single day as the church. Every single day. They gathered daily for preaching. They gathered daily at the temple courts. And then out of that developed... Then also they would go to each other's houses and break bread and pray for each other. And they had everything in common and they shared with glad and generous hearts and the Lord added daily to the number of those who were being saved. And that's the DNA of the church. First off, it was a mega church, so you can't be criticizing mega churches, Tim. 3,000 people in one day, that's a mega church. Mm -hmm. 
Secondly, they were preaching. So you millennials who all you want to do is drink, not you. Some people, they just want to go to coffee shops and read blogs and do it all online. Come on. They preached. Authoritative preaching. Anointed preaching. And, and, Brian Zook would like this one. They had food in each other's homes. That's, that's, that's what he wants. But it's, I think it's funny that right there in the DNA of the church, there's like tons of stuff that now we want to cherry pick this one and build a whole denomination on it. <laughs> No, 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 no. Keep it all together in one big, beautiful package. But daily, daily. What were they, what were they called to daily? What do, you think, what do you think on the day after Pentecost, the first, the first day when Peter and the apostles got up and said, what are we going to do now? What do you think they preached? You think they said, uh, oh, let's get them all started on a read through the Bible in a year program. <laughs> Y'all already know that's not, they don't have Bibles in their hands. Right. Maybe they said, uh, we got to teach them about tithing. I doubt it, not on day one. Maybe they were just going to teach them how to, be, how to prioritize family, marriage, strong marriage or whatever. <sighs> Guys, they talked about Jesus. Mm-hmm. They talked about in eternity past, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit were doing okay. And then Jesus came and he, he was indwelt with all the fullness of the Father. And now that He's back in heaven having been slain and raised, now He's pulling us into that same thing. Guys, we can know Him. Guys, we can fellowship with Him. Guys, there's communion in Him. Guys, you don't understand who the church is. It's the glorious inheritance of the Father. Guys, He's making one new person. He's even including Gentiles into this thing. Guys, we're not... And none of this was earned. None of this was by being Jewish or by being religious. None of this was... In, you know what I'm saying? Like, this, this, this thing that's happening in Jesus, we need to unpack. You know, and, and, and so, what did they preach? What Bible did they have? Nothing but Old Testament. Right. But what was the only thing they preached? Jesus. Mm-hmm. Which means... I remember this Watchman Nee is a, a young man, and he had a, a, an older lady in the faith was was like his, um, you could say was his spiritual mentor, and he brought all this information about end times prophecy stuff, detailed predictions, and she looked at it and she said, uh, "What does that mean?" That's my phone. Oh, I thought it was a time timer. No. She looks at all his stuff and, and she just looks at him and says, "You do not want to take your ministry in this direction." And that's all she said. And so he ended up not making detailed speculative analysis of end times of focus. And then he said, come with me, sister. I found this great anointed preacher. She went and listened and said, at one time, this man walked intimately with God and encountered God. And he's living on the fumes of that past experience. But he's not currently intimate with God. Man, this woman scares me. I'm de- <laughs> That's how, she just had this razor sharp. What did they preach on day one? They preached Jesus as gift. They preached Jesus as coming and giving us all this fullness that he had in his life. The great light that I talked about in the other last couple Sundays. They got they got the disciples for three years got to stand next to the great light being the relationship that Father had with Son. 
But now on the day of Pentecost, the light comes inside of them. Now what are they going to preach, man? That's it. There's nothing else to preach. What else is there? What else is there than the fullness of union with God because we're in Christ. We're in Christ. Oh, I, gotta, I, I, I want to read you some quotes from this book. Uh, stuff we're not pursuing. This is fun. Listen to this. This is Gene uh, Edwards. Holy Spirit led me to Gene Edwards. It's a, too long of a story. Let's collect all the sermons ever preached and put them all together in one sermon. We begin with sermons preached in the year 350, and we go on collecting them right up to this last Sunday. And almost all the messages have a common theme. Most of them are telling us those who sit in the pews, what we're supposed to do to be a good Christian. Having made all these sermons into one gigantic sermon, we now have a message so long that it would tax the storage capacity of the most advanced computers. And when the computer finally spewed out the incredible sermon, it would fill the largest building on earth. How many topics will be covered in that sermon? Think of all the exhortations and threats and demands, the lists, the endless lists of things that you ought to do to be a good Christian. Think of all these demands, and they're all aimed at you. Does not sound fun to me. There would be literally millions of these exhortations and demands. Now imagine that you memorize the entire sermon, hundreds of millions of pages memorized by you, and now you know exactly what is required of you to be a good Christian. Just think of all the things you're supposed to do, and you're supposed to do them all today. Now, dear reader, armed with this great knowledge, the greatest knowledge ever poured into one brain, it's time to set out and live the Christian life. Does anyone sound, does that sound horrible to you? Yeah. The alarm clock goes off at, okay, he says six. We'll change it to four. You're already in trouble. Oh, no, you can't. You're like praying hi. This is what, I'll, read, I'll just read what he says. The alarm clock goes off at 6 a.m., but you're already in trouble because praying Hyde got up his whole life at 4 a.m. like Carl Chuck and prayed for four hours every morning. Without an alarm. Guilt. So guilt overwhelms you because you're already behind. John Wesley prayed all night on hundreds of occasions. So now you have more guilt. Get out of bed, you sloth. But wait, maybe you should lie in bed and quietly sing a song. Was that not one of the points in one of the sermons? Or maybe you should begin with praying in bed. Or should you throw off the covers boldly? Or should you throw them off gently? Or should you step out of bed and slip humbly to your knees? Or should you stand arms lifted up and praising God? Or maybe you should fall on your face and cry out for mercy for your sinful state. Should you turn on the light and perhaps waste electricity? Or should you pray in the dark and risk falling asleep? How long should you pray? Ten minutes? Three hours? Four hours? Standing, kneeling, laying down, eyes open, eyes closed. The sermon told you to do all of them every day. <laughs> Wait a minute, you slob. You have not made up your bed yet. First things first, get your room cleaned up because God hates sloppy people. How dare you pray before you clean up your room? At last, it's time to go to the bathroom. Should you march in there boldly as a victorious Christian, ready to take on the world, or should you walk humbly like a pale Galilean who walked gently upon this earth? Oh, no, you're out of toothpaste. You told your wife to buy some, and she did not. Should you rebuke her? Woman, the Bible says, you must obey me in all things. 
Or should you forgive her and speak gently to her? Or should you, as a humble person, forget the whole incident and just brush your teeth without toothpaste? Perhaps it would be better if you didn't pay attention to such worldly things as brushing your teeth and just go around with bad breath, trusting God to keep your teeth from falling out of your head. The sermon told you to do all of the above every day. Well, thank goodness there's one thing for certain that entire sermon agrees that you must put on some clothes. (laughs) But should you put on ritzy clothes to show people how God provides for Christians? Or should you put on some worn-out clothes, showing the world that you, as a Christian, live an austere and humble, stoic life? The sermon told you to do all of the above. (laughs) Of course it did. And somewhere between the time you wake up and the time you get to breakfast, you're going to have a complete nervous breakdown. Some sermon you memorized, real help to your Christian life, huh? And by the way, you miserable sinner, you failure, you dregs of Christianity, (laughs) you millstone to other believers... You poor, hopeless, hypocritical failure. (laughs) I love this guy. This morning you were so busy doing everything else that that sermon told you to do that you forgot to read your Bible. It's just as well you would have never figured out whether you should have read it inductively, deductively, didactively, meditatively, not to mention topically or analytically. Remember the sermon told you to do all of them every day. Don't forget that all Christians are supposed to read to the New Testament once every three weeks for shame. Or was it to read the New Testament three times every week? And witnessing. Let's not forget witnessing. Witness to one lost soul every day like Moody did and help the poor and attend all church functions and care for your neighbors and fast at least one day per week and tithe 30% of your income like the Jews did in the Old Testament and take Bible correspondence courses and read one new Christian book per week or two, visit the sick, go to prayer breakfast and prayer dinner and fly to Eastern Europe for the door-to-door evangelism campaign and spend an hour a day reading to your children and taking them camping. And do not forget to march against bad textbooks at school and listen to five daily radio Christian programs and read six Christian magazines and prepare a Sunday school lesson and support an orphan and write to a missionary and see the Christian film and attend the church picnic with the parents retreat and do volunteer work with an interdenominational organization and go to a counseling session and take a seminar. Now we have died. <laughs> Do you get the idea that something is amiss? Is this the Christian faith? Is this God's requirement for living the Christian life? If you tried to do everything that all of those authors said you should do in all of those books, you would probably go stark raving mad in a few weeks. Now let us pile on top of that sermon and that list of books all the things Christian counselors tell us we're supposed to do, plus all the things that television and radio preachers tell us to do in order to be good Christians. Dear reader, virtually all of this counsel, all of these books, and every one of those sermons are setting you up for failure, for guilt, and for a lifetime of frustration. For there is only one Christian. That's good news. And he alone can live the Christian life. And unless we lay hold of his life, we are up against simple biology. We don't (laughs) have the right parts in us to live the Christian life, or we have them and don't know it. And the giant sermon and the huge books 
aren't helping us much to find them out. The Christian life is and always will be the exclusive territory of the living God. He alone lives the Christian life. I repeat, the greatest day the Lord... <laughs> That you will ever live is the day your Lord, by revelation, shows you that you cannot live the Christian life. And if this is really a fact, then there really is a lot of unlearning and relearning to be done. So, why are disciplines even important if we can't do it? Again, we're just carving out time to receive from the only one who can do this. Freely. We're just getting we're just getting to the place where again, there's not a method I'm endorsing. You you be led by the Lord. But I know that getting with him, being with him, receiving from him. He he's the only one, man. He's the only one who can live this Christian life. Sure. That's why we die. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. So now I live by faith. Alright. Strike up the music. I feel like it It almost... We get the impression that because we can't earn it and we can't do it, that we don't have anything, quote, to do. But we do have something to do. We have to put our faith in Him. We have to put our faith in His promises and His Word. And we have to create some space here in our heart to receive. Not earn, receive. You know what I mean? So you can, you can sit silently. You can, you can actively write. You can just be in His presence. It's all good. Grace, grace, grace. Love love love